You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Today's reading is Acts 6, 1-7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn their responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timian, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, hi there, DPC. Pastor Adam here. I'm recording today from my dining room, um, but it's great to be able to get stuck into God's Word and to think about this topic of deacons. Uh, you'll see an outline on the welcome card, so you might find that helpful to, to have it there or keep it as a reference for the future. Uh, but before we come to look at this passage and think about deacons, uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, please be with us today as we think about deacons, their role in the church, and why they are such a blessing from you. Amen. How wonderful would it be if in the not-too-distant future we had men and women in our church serving as deacons? I'm really excited about that idea. And maybe you are too. Or maybe you want to be excited, but you're not really sure what deacons are and why we need them. Well, it's my aim today to explain what a deacon is, and then next week Aaron will look at who can be a deacon. We've been planning this two-part mini-sermon series for a while and we've had to shuffle the dates around, but we feel that especially in the midst of COVID-19, it's worth doing some preparation on this topic and doing some training so we can set up what's known as a diaconate. That's basically a group of deacons. Now, I'm guessing that most of you know that churches can have deacons, but you've probably heard of or even seen different models, and therein lies the dilemma of the deacon. Uh, churches have such divergent approaches to them, and it can be really confusing. Uh, deacons started out as servants of their local church, but within a couple of centuries, they became servants of the bishops. Uh, they'd help their bishop to gather funds for the poor, and they'd hand out the bread and wine when he conducted the Lord's Supper. Uh, this is reflected in Anglican and Roman Catholic churches today, where uh, deacon is an order of clergy. It's often a stepping stone to becoming a priest. In some churches, deacons play more of a leadership role. Uh, for example, a Baptist church might appoint lay leaders as deacons who form a board or council that govern the church under the minister. And even in Presbyterian churches, there's been a model where women could be appointed as deaconesses who then did pastoral work, almost being a type of female minister. Well, this dilemma about defining the role of deacon is caused by two factors. Uh, the first is that some churches are happy to be driven by pragmatics and tradition, you know, just whatever works. 
And this is okay in some areas, but when it comes to something like deacons, I believe we need to be guided more by the Bible. Uh, the second reason is that the Bible actually has very little to say about deacons, which means we genuinely do have some freedom in how we implement them. And so there will be differences across churches. Despite that, I really do think that deacons are a provision from God to ensure that his people are cared for in practical ways. I want to show you where I get this from the Bible, and then we'll look at how having deacons at DPC will be, uh, how they will benefit us. Uh, funnily enough, just as the dilemma of the deacon can be in understanding their role, deacons actually arose in the midst of a dilemma. So let's turn to Acts chapter 6. Uh, you can have the passage open, the welcome card, or have it open in your Bible. And we're going to see that deacons were born out of a practical need. You'll see that's the second major point on our outline. So first of all, let's have a look at verse 1. I'll read it out. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Straight away, we see a dispute arising out of growth. Remember, we're talking about the early church here. And maybe it's in the first year after Jesus rose from the dead and left his apostles in charge to teach and lead his disciples. There was one church centered in Jerusalem and they numbered in the thousands. And God is blessing them here with an increase in numbers. But with growth comes growing needs. A dispute breaks out over the care of widows. The Jews had lots of systems for ensuring that the helpless and needy were cared for. And widows in particular were provided for through the temple and synagogues. But it's likely that Jewish widows who became Christians found themselves cut off from their support. So it was vital that the church cared for them, providing food and other needs. And this worked okay for a time, but eventually the Hellenistic Jews noticed that their widows were being overlooked, so they raised a complaint with the Hebraic Jews. Now, it's likely that the Hellenistic Jews were those who had lived outside of Palestine and probably only spoke Greek. Uh, the Hebraic Jews, on the other hand, spoke Hebrew. It's possible there was some cultural rivalry here, but it could also be just simply the fact that Hellenistic Jews had moved to Jerusalem, leaving behind family and support networks. And so these widows were in particular need because they didn't have others to rely on. And so this is a major test for the church, and the apostles need to step in. They come up with a wise plan that creates a division of labour between shepherding and serving. Have a look at verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, let me just reassure you that the 12 apostles are not saying that waiting on tables is beneath them. After all, Jesus taught them to be humble servants. What's happening here is the realisation that they can't get too involved in serving this way. Otherwise, they'll neglect the primary service they've been called to, being witnesses of Christ and preaching the good news about his death and resurrection. The apostles are clear where their focus should be. Rather than telling the church to sort it out themselves, though, they come up with a wise plan. Have a look at verse 3. Brothers and sisters, 
Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So we see here a clear division of labor so that those appointed to teaching and pastoring can stay focused on that. And others can be appointed to ensure that people's practical needs are taken care of. In other words, some will labor in shepherding the disciples and others will labor in serving the disciples. But what does this have to do with deacons, I hear you ask? Well, I think we see here the birth of deacons. You might say that there was a diaconal need and so the church sought out suitable people to serve. There are key principles here that lay a foundation for understanding diaconal ministry. Now, we probably should pause just for a moment and clarify our vocabulary. You know, diaconal, diaconate, deacon, what does this all mean? Well, they all come from the Greek word for deacon, which is diakonos. And you've probably noticed it doesn't appear in this passage. They're not called deacons. But there are lots of related words. Uh, They appear as ministry, or they're in the phrase, wait on tables. And that's because diakonos means servant, and they have the role of serving. The apostles, they had a service too, a service or ministry of the word, while these seven men were to have a service or ministry of serving. Now, I know that's a tautology, so we can expand on their service as being one focused on helping in practical ways. The seven cared for widows, but presumably their work would have extended beyond that. We don't have time to go into this now, but our gospel communities will explore the idea of diaconal work as being practical service uh, in the studies this week. Within a few decades, the role or office of deacon had been established so that Paul could start his letter to the Philippians off like this. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So there are Christians in general in this church, and then there are overseers and deacons. The overseers or elders were focused on the ministry of shepherding, and it's reasonable to assume that the deacons were focused on the ministry of serving. There's a clear division of labor. And in case you're still not convinced that Acts 6 is talking about deacons, take note that the seven men to be chosen had to be full of the spirit and wisdom. This speaks to godliness and giftedness and having a good reputation about those qualities. They needed to be qualified for the role as it involved authority and responsibility. This actually links to 1 Timothy 3, where Paul outlines the qualifications for elders and deacons. They are presented as two separate offices within the church. The focus is on their character, which Aaron will unpack for us next week. What I want us to see today, though, is that deacons are not just another form of church leadership or governance, but rather they have a separate function to the elders. So, there was a dispute in the church which led the apostles to clarify the division of labour. Our next D word is that we see a deputation by the apostles on behalf of the church. Let me read out verses 5 and 6. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, 
who prayed and laid their hands on them. We see the apostles deputize these seven men to ensure that food is properly distributed. The twelve pray for them and lay their hands on them, which is about publicly setting these men apart. You know, it's not some uh, mysterious act of transmitting the Holy Spirit or special gifts to them, since the church had already chosen them on the basis of already possessing the Spirit in gifts. Rather, the leaders of the church are indicating that the seven have the authority needed to fulfill their role. I think this again indicates that we're seeing the birth or prototype of deacons here. You know, if their role was simply handing out food and maybe coordinating some checklists and rosters, then they wouldn't need to be deputized in this way. This is not the delegation of a task, but rather seems to be ordination into an office. We can see a parallel in Romans 16 verses 1 and 2, where Paul speaks of Phoebe as a deacon. Uh, Let me read it out. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Now, some people argue that Phoebe wasn't just uh, that. Sorry, some people argue that Phoebe was just a regular diaconos or servant of this church, and she didn't hold formal office. Aaron's going to debunk that next week. We can clearly see that she was a woman known for offering practical and financial support as a benefactor, and she seems to have been sent by Paul with some sort of authority. It's possible that she was the one who carried the letter to the Romans. I mean, this seems to fit the role of a deputized person filling the role of a deacon. So let's turn back to Act 6. Do you notice who chooses the seven men? It's the church. The gathered disciples select the seven so that they can serve on behalf of the church. Now, does that mean that these men did all of the table waiting and other relevant tasks? Well, it's unlikely because, remember, we're talking about thousands of people by this time. It's more likely that their role was to organise and mobilise the disciples to ensure everyone was served in practical ways. No believer was to suffer under poverty or hunger or loneliness or other material need. They were chosen by the church and authorised by the leaders to do the work of practical service and mobilise the church to join in. Finally, we see that this was a divinely blessed initiative. Let's have a look at verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It could be that this summary verse refers to all the chapters that have preceded, but I think it still reveals that God was pleased with the appointment of the seven men. The church had resolved a dilemma and prevented a crisis, and this strengthened the joy and the unity of the believers, and showed to the rest of Jerusalem that Jesus makes a difference in the lives of his disciples. God presumably showed his favour towards this initiative by drawing more and more people into the church and so it experienced another season of rapid growth. This was a landmark event that was even remembered years later, which is why Philip was later remembered as one of the seven. Have a listen to Acts 21 verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea 
and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He would hardly have been remembered for simply being a table waiter for a few weeks or months. No, I think he was the first deacon. Act 6 really does seem to show that deacons were born out of a practical need. And so we can say that deacons are a provision, a blessing from God to ensure that his people are cared for in practical ways. But what sort of practical ways? Well, as I said earlier, the Bible doesn't detail the nature of the role for us. In fact, I've now mentioned every single reference to deacons in the New Testament, Philippians 1, 1 Timothy 3, and Romans 16. And so this is why some churches maintain that deacons are just servants in general. So there could be a deacon who runs the sound desk at church, or a deacon who looks after the bookstall, or a deacon who supervises the car park on a Sunday. But I'm not convinced that people need to be ordained into an office of the church to do these sorts of roles. Instead, I think deacons are those who give attention to the physical needs of people, while elders give attention to the spiritual needs of people. Deacons are concerned with acts of mercy to ensure that people don't suffer through a lack of ability to enjoy God's good gifts. They want to make sure that no one is needy, helpless, lonely or uncared for. And we have a great motivation to do this sort of work because deacons reflect God's heart for practical service. It's our next major point, and we'll spend a few minutes reflecting on it. And then we'll have a look at what it all means to have deacons at DPC. So deacons continue a calling that has been upon the people of God since the Old Testament. In fact, God in his compassion commanded Israel to care for the poor and the helpless. We've been looking at widows today, and it probably doesn't surprise you that earlier in the Bible, God cared about widows as well. He's also cared about foreigners who have no country, the, the fatherless, the needy. You can have a look at Exodus 22 verses 21 to 27 later. Uh, God warned Israel that they had to care for these sorts of people. And if they didn't, he would know. Uh, he said, when they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You know, many of Israel's laws were designed to create a society where everyone enjoyed the full benefits of God's redemption and the blessings of the promised land. I mean, listen to Deuteronomy 15 verses 4 and 5. However, there need to be no poor people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. He will richly bless you if only you obey, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. God's people are no longer a nation, and so a different system is required to ensure the flourishing of the church, and that's where deacons come in. Another way deacons reflect God's heart is seen in how Jesus cared for people in practical ways. We know that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His act of service on the cross was about meeting our spiritual need for forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Unfortunately, we can start and end there as Christians so that we're only focused on the spiritual aspect of human life. But Jesus models care for physical needs too. For example, in Matthew 14, verse 14, we read that Jesus saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then he goes on to feed all 5,000 of them with fish and bread. You know the story. 
later on, there was another crowd, this time of 4,000 people, chapter 15. And he says to his disciples, I have compassion for these people. And so he feeds them too. Jesus cared for people in practical ways and calls his people to do that also. Yes, salvation is important and it's better to be forgiven than to have a full belly. But Jesus cares about our physical well-being too. After all, he was the one who taught us to pray for our daily bread. One other way we see God's heart revealed is in the fact that the Holy Spirit gives gifts for the material benefit of the church. The Spirit equips Christians with all sorts of wonderful abilities to teach and serve and build people up in their faith. But he also equips us to help in practical ways. I'm going to read out Romans 12 verses 6 to 8. And I want you to listen for the gifts that might be related to deacons. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Serving, giving, showing mercy. The triune God wants us to engage in practical service so that his people and even the society around them might have their material needs cared for. Deacons play a role in leading the way by example and also mobilising the church to do this work. So it's time to get really practical now and think about what this means for us here at Darabin Presbyterian Church. This is our last major point. Deacons at DPC will help us in knowing and serving Christ. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, yep, Adam, I agree with all of this, but I don't see why we need deacons. And don't we already have a functioning mercy ministry? You know, don't we already do all these things? Why complicate life? Well, I hear you. And to be honest, this is a question Aaron and I have wrestled with a lot. In fact, Aaron has been incredibly patient with me as I've asked him lots of questions and run lots of scenarios past him. But I think we've clarified four four main reasons why we need deacons. And I trust that they'll convince you that having them at DPC will be a blessing from God. The first reason is simply this. Appointing deacons is about trusting God's wisdom. There are only two permanent, perpetual officers of the church found in the Bible, elder and deacon. And we trust God that having elders is a wise approach. And so let's trust God by appointing men and women as deacons too. He blessed the early church in Jerusalem, and I'm confident that he'll bless us also. So for some of you, that might be enough to convince you. But let's keep going. The second reason for having deacons is that they will help with a growing church. Remember that the dilemma in Acts 6 arose because God added more disciples to the church. At DPC, praise God, we're growing too. And a growth in numbers leads to growing needs amongst our people and in turn a growing need for more organisation. During COVID, it has become apparent that there are lots of needs in our church and sometimes the processes of our church can slow things down. For example, there's been kind of new ideas about how we can help people, but these have to go past the elders, especially Aaron and I, which delays these initiatives and also takes us away from our primary task of shepherding. 
So deacons would be given the authority they need to make things happen. They wouldn't be governing the church like elders, but they would still be leaders who are known for their partial wisdom, their organisational skill and their spiritual maturity. They would have a budget and the blessing of our church to get on with the work. And, you know, we may only need one or two deacons initially to get this happening. We do still need to work out some of the details, but the most likely approach that we'll take is that deacons will be members of the mercy team and will oversee them and help to equip and mobilise them so that the rest of the church can be engaged in mercy. Not everyone on the mercy team needs to be a deacon, but having deacons will enable them to be more nimble in caring for people in practical ways. The third reason why deacons will be a blessing to us is that they will help organise our efforts in loving each other in practical ways. As I've said, I don't think deacons do ministry in general. Rather, they have a ministry of mercy. They seek to ensure that there are no needy people in our church family. And of course, they can have a role in the wider society and beyond that, but their primary focus will be DPC. Now, we already have some ministries that would continue under the deacons, such as the meal train, uh, the deacons could also help those in financial need and connect them with support services. They could arrange care packages for new parents or those who are sick. They can ensure that people who are in hospital get visited and that those who are housebound are cared for. They would have a ministry to the needy, the helpless, the sick, the lonely, the suffering. And they would do this by recruiting us to work with them. They would coordinate our efforts. I mean, you might contact, contact one of them so that you can borrow a lawnmower to go and cut someone's grass. You might cook some meals for the meal train. You might volunteer to check in on someone who's stuck at home after a work injury. Yes, we all want to help in different ways, and sometimes we're not sure what to do and who's in need. Well, deacons will help coordinate and organise our efforts. And the fourth and final reason I have for you is that deacons will help us to live as the people of Christ, the one who came to serve. You know, in our church, we want to see people deeply satisfied in knowing and serving Christ. And sometimes we can limit this service to spiritual matters. You know, we pray for people, we teach the Bible, we help to make sure that the Sunday service happens so that people can worship Christ and grow. But Jesus modelled to us that serving in practical ways matters too. He came to earth to serve people in their physical need, thus showing what the kingdom of God is like. He fed them and healed them and spent time with them. He was involved in people's lives and showed great care for them. It's a wonderful picture of the kingdom. But this kingdom of God is only for those who are in a right relationship with God. So Jesus also came to earth to serve people in their spiritual need, as ultimately seen at the cross. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he paid our spiritual debt. He met our spiritual need. He opened the way for us to be at peace with God. And so when we turn away from our sinful, broken ways of living and put our faith in Jesus, we receive mercy and we also join God's kingdom. We have a new life that starts today and we receive the promise of eternal life. And so now as kingdom members, we can follow Christ's twofold example. We can serve in spiritual ways and in practical ways. In fact, you may know the parable from Matthew 25, the one about the sheep and the goats. 
And Jesus says that his true disciples are those who fed and clothed and comforted his people. Not because this earns salvation, but it's the evidence or fruit of salvation, of spiritual transformation. This is what you expect of people who have been saved and transformed, who want to follow Jesus, who are grateful for what he's done for them, and they just want to love others. Church, we are the redeemed people of Christ, and we should want to follow his example. He came to serve. And so that means we serve too. We are servants like him. And deacons will help us to do this better. They are a wonderful blessing and provision from God to ensure that his people are cared for in practical ways, thus multiplying our joy and our unity. And so please do pray that God would reveal to us in the coming months who might be suited to serve as deacons in our church. But also pray that God would spur you on to loving our church family in practical ways. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful blessing it is to learn about deacons and to see the role that they could play. Uh, We pray that you would raise up godly men and women who can serve in this role in our church so that we can fulfill our calling to be Christ's people who are knowing and serving Christ in deeds that point to him, that honour him, that show his love to others. And so as our church grows, as our needs grow, we pray that you would bless us and provide for us so that uh, no one would miss out on the joy uh, that there is in knowing Christ and serving him, and so that we as a people would be unified. And we ask all of these things through Christ's name. Amen.